Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker, longtime Kentucky beat writer, scrolling through Twitter as uh, as we start the show. <laughs> Apologies for my delay. I am coming to a website near you very soon. Uh, in the meantime, if it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we will be talking about it here Monday through Friday, every week, every day, during your work week on the Locked On Podcast Network. On this edition of the podcast, we are going to be discussing a quote-unquote guarantee that came out of Gainesville, and then we're going to be answering some of your questions. First time we're trying this out on this new podcast, we got a pretty good response, so we're going to knock out some of those. Um, But Kyle, let's just first start out with what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had to say Monday morning. Here's the quote from the Associated Press about the streak between Kentucky and Florida. It's 31, right? It'll be 32 on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, that's a guarantee. That's, that's, that's a guarantee. Uh, it's, I mean, relatively mild, I guess, tame. But it does call to mind to me uh, the, the – the, um, this is far less bold uh, in this current case. It reminds me of the West Virginia Daxter Miles – They'll be thirty six and one on, yeah. or thirty five and one, whatever it is. Uh, after they played West Virginia, played the undefeated at the time Kentucky team in the Sweet Sixteen, and other than the UCLA game that year, I think it was the worst beating. Maybe it was a worse beating. Um, certainly, given the context, uh, given the given the scenario, I mean, West Virginia was actually a pretty good team that year. Yeah, uh, Kentucky just wrecked them. And uh, I believe it was either after that game or one of the other games during that tournament run, a fan had come to the arena with like a 36-1 and or whatever poster, and I took a picture of it. It was in the, in the big trash can in the, in the arena after the game. Um, like I said, that, that was a bold statement that was like very obviously going to um, be a, become a footnote in a beatdown. This is not that bold of a thing to say. I mean, it's a, I don't think I would say it, but uh, Kentucky losing to Florida in football is like the most reliable thing in college football. It's happened more times in a row than any consecutive series in major college football, 31 consecutive times. The fact that the, that the quote is, it'll be 32, <laughs> tells you that it's not that bold of a statement. They've lost to them 30 one consecutive times and they've lost in every manner uh, any every way they've lost by blowout uh they've lost in close calls decided by officials they've lost in uh games they led and blew leads and did just absolutely mind-boggling things jared lorenzen tossing a football like a grenade uh in a game they had one uh not covering the receiver twice last season one actually in two games kind of Right, the Chris Doring game, right as well. Yeah, right. I mean, there was there was enough players. I mean, he was when the play started. It looked yeah. to be covered, but no one was yeah. even close to him when he caught the touchdown. And we should maybe we'll do a whole episode at, towards the end of the week, or at least a big chunk of an episode where we really go through and revisit some of these. I don't know moments. if fans want that, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe you'll tune out if we do that. <laughs> There have been some pretty good oral histories of the uh, yeah. of the streak. Joe Masato, dearly departed Joe Masato, who's now back in Oklahoma covering the Sooners, uh, did a, a great piece last year, just talking to some of the many people who've had their hearts ripped out 
Um, and I wrote a story about the, the cursed child, uh, a UK fan, uh, UK former UK athlete, married to a life long, lifelong UK fan whose birthday, who was born on the day of the last win against Kentucky against Florida for Kentucky, and they've never won again in her lifetime. Uh, that was a fun little story last year. Uh, she decided at the last minute she would go to the game, even though her husband was trying to keep her away. I think he's never letting her go back until they beat <laughs> Florida. Uh, but anyway, all this long-winded way to say, like, it's not that bold of anybody at Florida or their fans or their coaches or their players to say, we're going to beat Kentucky because they always beat Kentucky. And until Kentucky beats Florida, I don't think there's much you can say on this end of the rivalry, if it's even a rivalry. Not, I'm not sure I would still – I'm still not sure I would do it, and I'm still not sure – that Dan Mullen is thrilled that any of his players said we're essentially said out loud we're going to beat them. My thought on all these taking of bulletin board material is in certain situations, how much more motivated can you be? There were some people who, you know, quote tweeted it and then at added Benny Snell on social media to make sure he saw it. I'm sure he's seen it. You think Benny, Benny Snell is now more motivated to beat Florida because he saw this quote than he was the day before? Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. That's, and that's but always what, my point. What is, what is bulletin board material really? Is it, like, even a real thing? I, I think it depends. Well, listen, the two, two one example you just brought up with the Kentucky-West Virginia basketball game, that turned from a win to a demolition they, yes they, the they went they happened, decided to kill them yeah. and the same thing happened with alabama and louisville even though i don't necessarily even think what louisville said was crazy well what the player some of what the players said was a little bit outlandish but what petrino said wasn't crazy but okay so maybe an outcome got extended a little bit but from a kentucky standpoint from an underdog's perspective i think rarely do you get more motivated by a heavy favorite talking yeah. trash to you yeah you're already pumped up you already know what this means Benny Snell isn't at this point in the season, specifically now that we're only a week before the game. Like if this had maybe come out over the summer, maybe he does one more push-up a day, or I don't know something like right. that to use motivation and training. But at this point, I don't think there's going to be too much impact on the game. So if you want yeah. to add it to Benny Snell, yeah. have at it. But I don't think yeah. it's going to impact anything. Yeah, like I think when somebody specifically calls out Benny Snell, maybe maybe he you know maybe that's in the back of his mind to do more. A little more personally and i think you there are it's sort of a case-by-case -case situation like individuals like michael jordan was a legendary for taking everything every slight real or perceived sometimes he would i think just make them up in his head and use that to drive him and so you wouldn't want to give michael jordan any reason to come try to kill you because he'd probably come up with his own Although, again, as you well, say, my, Michael Jordan's still better than you, and he's still the best player well, in the world. He's probably going to kill you anyway. My point, when people are motivated that way, they find something They'll no find it anyway, what. yes. Yeah, so and like <laughs> if, you're, yeah, if you're Kentucky football playing Florida, if you were on this team last year, you don't need any motivation. Yes. Like, even forget all the other – forget the other 30 losses in the series in a row. If you're on this Kentucky football team last fall and you saw what happened – and you had this historic victory in your grasp. You had an eight-win season in your grasp, a nine-win season if you talk about Ole Miss. And you let those things slip away, and you saw what it did to your coach. I mean, Mark Stoops looked like he'd you know, seen a ghost after he knew, he knew how 
crushing that defeat was. If you if you saw and felt the misery, I mean, I guarantee you the players, as miserable as they were, could feel, could physically feel the misery of the fan base in that stadium that night. Because I could, it was, uh, it was tangible, <laughs> the 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 just total devastation of losing that game and extending that streak. I mean, if you're Kentucky, all you need as motivation is last year. Or if you're Kentucky's coaches, all you need to hang up in their locker is the 31 consecutive box score you know, or, or score, final scores in the series. When you've been absolutely dominated and when you are the owner of the worst losing streak in major college football to one opponent, how much else do you need uh, to, to, to kind of get yourself going? Yep, I completely agree. But... I mean, look. If you're if this happened under Nick Saban's watch, like I would, there would be hell to pay. I would think for that player. You, I'm you know, sure he does yeah. not. He does not want to give anybody anything. Um, you I know, still he, don't, he, I, he acts like Georgia Southern is. You know, I still don't know if Alabama players actually ever speak to the media because I never see anything of consequence. No, other than I guess what was it was a major headline that Jalen Hurts said that. He was, I forget his exact wording, but you it was know, pretty clear he was disappointed he why the coaches to, did sort of handled him in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, which that was big news because it never happens. Yeah, exactly. He, so. he like uh, ignored his computer programming and said something authentic. <laughs> there, was a, there was a slight breach in the firewall, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> some of the Bama secrets leaked. Nick Saban out. was so mad, he almost melted Maria Taylor's face for it. All right, we're going to get to some of your questions here in a second. But first, I want to let you guys know about FanDuel. The rate's nearly over. The NFL season is almost here, and it means fantasy football season. And FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe me? Here's how's this sound. This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse the team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so don't miss your chance and sign up now. I just locked in my pick last night, so you should go on there and get on on the action. To get this free two, to get into this free $250,000 Survivor Contest, just go to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Plus, new users get a $20 bonus when they make their first deposit on FanDuel. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Kyle, let's get into some of these questions. We'll start off with one that you said that you liked. Um, It's from Will Toy on Twitter. If you're getting even money, would you rather have Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas or the field to win the NCAA tournament? So, make it clear, you get three teams, Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas. Any of those three as the champ or the other 65? Hmm. I mean, look, it's always, it is always, I mean, you could pick almost any three, four. You, I, I, you could go a pretty deep number of teams you know, probably in the single, as long as you stay in the single digits, and it's still by far the better odds that uh, in Vegas and mathematically that the yes. field is going to win in almost any sporting event. Like, like in golf, the fact that like there was a time where Tiger was so good, he was that you you would reasonably take him over the field in a golf tournament, which you would just if you actually thought we were like trying to win 
and not just betting with like who you like in a golf tournament. You would never do that. Take any one golfer or any three golfers over the field. Uh, and that's true of the NCAA tournament and that sort of one-off nature and these weird upsets. I'm tempted by it, though. That's why I said I like it because I think Kentucky and Duke are the clear two most talented teams. I think Kansas is probably positioned with a combination of youth and experience talent and young talent and experience um, to be a title contender. I don't know that I think those are the three, like the clear three best championship contenders. Well, I mean, from a, I think that might be Vegas's odds at this uh, yeah. point. Those are the top are three they? picks. Well, I'm pretty sure. I know Kentucky. But still, and, man. Like, I know Kentucky and Kansas were at the top. Yeah. And I know Duke, I think after their Canadian trip and where everybody got enamored by Zion Williamson and who, right. how can you blame anybody for that? His dunks are amazing and he played really, really well. They jumped up as well. So I think those are the top yeah. three picks right now in Vegas. Yeah, and like the, the, the concern is like does the chemistry implode for, for Duke with three sort of alphas well, that all sort of play the same position and it, the fact that it didn't in Canada. Well, that was because uh, of injury. What's that? Cam Reddish didn't play. So. That's true. That's true. But I, will, I mean, I think, honestly, that's a question for all three of those teams to a certain extent. I mean, Kansas has guys that have been on the roster in the Memphis transfers, but they haven't played in a game for Kansas. So how's that all going to work out? I think all right. these, the interesting kind of thing is all these teams have a lot of questions, and that's what always makes college kind of fun. I'd take the three just because I'm going to take talent and... I don't know. It's it's pretty wide open. I mean, I've seen where I think Gonzaga is a top five team. I'm not in love with them. I'm not in love with any of the other teams outside of those three. So I'll yeah. take the three. If I'm betting my own money, I'm taking the field. But hey, what if you're betting my money? I, I probably take the three. <laughs> you know, because I think I think probably. I mean, Kentucky to me, I I really think Kentucky is probably the clear favorite right now, um, based on the information that we have, uh, according to the polls. And the thing that you love, the Candid Coaches Series, Kansas is top. Yeah. So, I I mean... But there's a lot we don't know about Kansas. Like I you know. mentioned, they have some really good players that they're adding that are veterans, but, they're, but they, were, they played elsewhere. Yeah. They, haven't, they haven't played there. They haven't played together. Uh, also, a couple of them were total cancers at Memphis and, like, crapped on Tubby Smith on the way out the door. Yes. Uh, the Lawson brothers. Yeah. Um, you know, I personally wouldn't invite that into my locker room, but um, I don't know. If I'm betting my own money, I'm taking the field. I, I just say I mean, it's always the most logical thing to do to take the field. All right, we'll do uh, another basketball question, and then we'll jump back into some football. Tanner asks, uh, "Will Nick Richards play like he did in the Bahamas all season long, or will there be a drop off at some point?" I think there obviously at some point will be a drop-off. I mean, that just happens to nearly everybody in college basketball. So I think that there'll be a drop-off. But let me phrase it to you like this. Do you think Nick Richards will be more consistent this season? Yeah, man. That's tough because who knows what we can really draw from those exhibition games. But he looked more confident down there than he, he did at any point last season, other than maybe his you know, 25 and 15 game in his fourth game against whoever that was, somebody with barely a pulse. I think he looked like a, a more um, capable defender, aggressive defender, uh, aware defender. I thought he, um, I mean, he showed some real aptitude offensively, not just dunks. You know, he stepped out and made, you know, he, he hit some hook shots and some 
um, you know, mid-range jump shots for a seven-footer that were pretty impressive. Things that you would, if you went and watched him work out and practice and 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 get up, get shots up and shoot around. You last year, you could see him do. And I used to nudge Joe, who's a big uh, Nick Richards hater, and say like, "Look <laughs> at this! If this guy at this size with this wingspan, seven foot five wingspan, seven feet tall, runs up and down the floor quicker than Quade Green, an actual fact. He's I think he posted better sprint and agility times than one of their point guards last year." At some point, if that clicks for him, you can see some of his skills. If he's got it between the ears, I don't see any reason why he can't still be a really, really good player. And then we saw, kind of saw a version of that guy, or at least the makings of that guy, in more in earnest in the Bahamas. So I, I do think he'll be more consistent. I think he got his confidence back. I think Kenny Payne has spent months trying to get the space between his ears right. I think he's talked openly about having even going back to last year dealing with Bob Rotella, the sports psychologist, um, trying to clear his mind and just play free. Watching funny Instagram yeah. videos, and I think so, it like, seemed like the pressure was off him. You know, like last year he always seemed like Calipari, like the Calipari phrase, the weight of the world on him, and I, and it really did feel like that for him a lot of times. You'd see his he'd make a mistake at the very beginning of a game and drop his shoulders and drop his head and just look very defeated. Um, and if he can avoid that this year, I, I think he has all the tools to be a really, really good player for them. I agree. I think he will have a couple dips, a couple two or three game stretches where he kind of disappears. And I think that'll partly be because someone else will step up. We have Ed and Evan Daniels on the podcast, and he talked about the upside of EJ Montgomery. Sadly, we didn't get to see Montgomery in the Bahamas because of injury. But I think there'll be some games where you'll Montgomery will just get in such a rhythm, you probably can't take him off the floor. So I think... Maybe Nick Ridger's biggest obstacle to consistency is the fact that there are so many other quality front court players that some games he just won't get as many minutes as he would like to to be able to get into rhythms. All right, Kyle, let's switch to football. We'll start with an well, it's a short question, but it's not super easy from Aaron. Why aren't the tight ends used more? We joked in a podcast earlier this week about how, you know, CJ Conrad did have, or maybe that wasn't on this podcast. I don't know. I made the joke somewhere, but I make a lot of jokes. That CJ Conrad, people were complaining about the lack of CJ Conrad, but he was second in the team on the team with three whole receptions. <laughs> Granted, they only went for nine total yards. Um, do you expect more from CJ Conrad in Gainesville? Ah, I, I expect a lot more of them over the course of this season. I don't know about in Gainesville because I don't know what to expect uh, from this Florida team, uh, from this Kentucky team going to play at Florida um, in what seems like a cursed series. Um, I think he's, you know, I, if, the, if one of the quarterbacks emerges as a competent passer, um, consistent passer, I should say, um, I think he becomes – you know, if not their number one weapon, one of the the top two or three weapons, it would be, I think I'm kind of rambling here. I don't know what to expect, but I think it would be a real travesty if a guy like CJ Conrad, who I think Mal Kuyper has as his number one tight end, maybe at some point, yeah, um, or had him, um, and has been a clearly been like a top talent from the day he stepped on campus. If he leaves here without having a big season in the passing game, uh, or in the pass catching game, he's important in the passing game and in the run game because they have him block, and he's very good at that. And and let us not understate that by being simpletons and say, well, he, he doesn't have stats, so he must not be contributing. He is, but also I think he can be super valuable uh, 
to an offense as a pass catcher and a guy who catches short passes and runs people over and, and breaks tackles and gets you those extra yards and also can stretch the field a little bit, I think it would be kind of a travesty if he leaves here and doesn't have a big year. So that's not really – I don't know that I've really answered will he be better – will he be used more next this, this weekend in, in Gainesville, but I have to think they'll okay. make an effort to do it over the course of this season. Here's what I'll do. We'll couch it for a bit, and then in the over-unders on this week, we'll yes, have C.J. Conrad in there, and we'll revisit it a little bit. We'll do catches and yards for him. All right, Jason of Florida asked, nobody seems to be talking about Max Duffy. He's easily punted 50-yard average. He's a big weapon. Uh, Bowden, Bowden didn't look electric in his kick return role, and Bouvier consistently let the ball roll when he should have fielded punts. Will that be fixed in week two? Uh, Mark Stoops was kind of – he defended Bouvier and said that the punts were – Tough to field, basically, I'm paraphrasing. But the one, the first one that rolled, that was, I don't know what the angle was on TV, but from the press box, you could see it. And it really was a line drive. Bouvier had no chance to get to it because it was kicked to the other side. I think he also redeemed himself by the former walk-on by catching a touchdown pass. Yeah, no, I mean, but (laughs) Um, special teams specifically, they've raved about the guy. He mishandled one. Stoop said in his Monday pressure that he doesn't expect that to be a problem going forward. And that, you know, that was just kind of a one, one-time occurrence thing. He actually said that was the first time he'd ever seen him mishandle yeah. a punt in all of the, the practice that they'd done. So I don't think that'll be an issue about mishandling once he gets his hand on the ball. But the fielding of it, the way Stoops kind of talked about it is sometimes a punter, depending on the style, can kick away from you and there's not a ton you can do. I don't know. I'm not a special teams expert, yeah. so I don't know. I mean, I you, think cover, also, you cover Virginia Tech and obviously Beamer we, saw ball, some, yeah. we saw some Beamer ball, so maybe you'll be able to know, but... I don't think those are always on Bouvier. Well, it's interesting because Beamer would always put his very best players on special teams. I mean, he would put his starting offensive and defensive players on special teams. And, and Kentucky put some of those guys on there, but to have a walk-on back there uh, returning He's got a scholarship. Right. It, it, people argue with me. I think when you walked onto the team and you get your scholarship in your third year because they have an extra one and you've worked hard and they want to reward you, you're still a walk-on. You walked onto the team. That's, that's my opinion. I'm not diminishing the... I mean, it's an incredible accomplishment when these guys, you know, there's a bunch of walk-ons and only a handful earn scholarships. He is now on scholarship, but he is a walk-on. Um, to put him back there is interesting. To put a to put not have you know, you know Bowden or uh, it's Stoops you know one of the, the wide receivers, but Stoops you want a guy that's well the sec the two the number two punt returner is Mike Edwards. That what that happened when because Mike Edwards was back there because Bouvier was being checked out for an injury. Right. So the number two guy is Mike Edwards. I think he's very electric, and in theory, you would maybe want to put him back there, but you also don't want to risk him. Yeah, he's he's very very valuable in the defense. Well, the one thing you worry about too when a guy has a situation like that, so they say, well, he never drops it, and then he drops one or mishandles one. You worry about confidence. Uh, I you you remember Ryan Timmons who like was this electric playmaker in high school and anyway he touched the ball he could score and they thought you know maybe even if he doesn't help right away as a receiver he's going to be big in the return game well I think he muffed like his very first punt return attempt and he was like mentally shot the rest of his career he didn't want any part of being back there and that happens to guys I think so I think it's significant that while it didn't happen in the return game Bouvier came back and did something to get some personal confidence back, caught a touchdown, had a big moment. Maybe you shake that off, brush that aside. The The fact that – I forget again, Lynn Bowden or Bowden, what did we settle on? What, Bowden. What, it's Bowden. Uh, the fact that he fumbled twice in that game, 
is a little worrisome because he is really elect. He actually is really electric, and he's got that wiggle, and he can he can break free. But if he's a little loose with the ball, that shakes maybe maybe doesn't shake his confidence. I'm not sure anybody can shake his personal confidence. Maybe shakes the coaching staff's competent confidence, and certainly puts you in a precarious situation uh, when you've got a playmaker who can't uh, hold on to the football. All right, we're going to wrap up with one question that I'm going to surprise Kyle with because he has no idea about it. But first, we talked about the odds of the NCAA teams. If you want to make some bets, you got to go to my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. But you got to use the promo code on college to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use that promo code ONCOLLEGE when creating your account to claim the bonus. That is ONCOLLEGE. You play, you win, you get paid. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. So I got a DM question, so it wasn't public, so that's why I know you don't know this. Somebody slid in your DMs? It slid into my DMs a little bit. And the first one, it was two questions. One was to me. The mm-hmm. question to me was, do I have a home or do I just live at the WLAP studio? We're in my basement right now. We are in Kyle's basement. I could actually live. Curtis lives in my basement. Jo- we joked that Joe Masada <laughs> lived in your basement. <laughs> um, I wouldn't let Joe live here. <laughs> um, I have a home. I do. You I, do have a home. But, don't, I, but I do spend a lot of time at the WLAP studios. That is, that is true. And increasingly I'm, at my home. That is, that is true as well. So... I have a home, but I spend probably spend more time at the LAP studios. Eh, that's probably not true. I sleep at home, so that's that's normally about three hours a night. I get to sleep there. <laughs> no, okay. Um, so to Kyle, though. Who you have a fre- grin on your face. So I'm <laughs> excited about this. Who freaked out more when you found out you had twins, you or your wife? Uh, well, she didn't freak out. She had this weird intuition about it. Like We found out she was pregnant, and she was like, I think we're going to have twins. Now she, I think you know, I think she used a cheat sheet. Like her dad is a twin; he's a boy girl twin. We have boy boy girl twins, um, and one of her grandparents is a twin, and so um, or was a twin. So, and, and, but she just had this feeling, and so we actually went in. We told the ultrasound lady, like uh, I said, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, "My wife thinks we're having twins." She's like, "Oh yeah, okay," um, and then she says, she looks around and she says. Uh, so what made you say that you thought you were having twins? And we're like, uh, she was, you know, my wife said, I don't know, just a feeling. And she's like, well, you have some great intuition. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And because uh, I wasn't sure I was ready to have one kid, much less two. And, of course, my wife's like, I told you so. Um, but then, actually, my big freak out came when she said, now, hold on. Let's just make sure there isn't a third one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at which point I actively prayed for there not to be a third child because I don't think we could handle that. Two is a lot, but you have two arms. Uh, 
three means you are screwed. <laughs> this has been so, that has been anatomy with Kyle. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I we had you know like I don't know thirty seconds or a minute of wondering if we were having triplets, and that was really that was not good. I was a little. I mean, I think I was a little lightheaded when we left the doctor, knowing we had two. Um, but then a lot of people said, like, if you've never had any kids, having one versus having two is not don't like know the difference. Yeah, it's all it's all a shock to the system. Your if your first child uh, or children, if there are multiples, it's like all a shock to the system. You're not sleeping. You're you know your whole life is like turned around. So I don't know. I don't know that our experience with two babies has been all that different from people new parents with their with one. So, and it's been awesome. They went to, as we record this, uh, Stroud and Elliot, my son and daughter went to their first day of preschool today. They've, uh, we had, uh, in home care with them cause they were premature and we didn't want to get them out in the world. Um, and we liked that setup for 18 months. And then these last, this last month I've been stay at home dad in between jobs before I start my new one, which has been really cool time for us, but I couldn't wait to drop them off at daycare today and get a little break. <laughs> Um, and as you know, within three hours of their first day, uh, we were notified that the air conditioning unit broke at the preschool and we had to come and pick them up. (laughs) So there we go. Parenthood is just a series of surprises and a lot of them are awesome and some of them are awful. Most of those involve poop. I look forward to your parenting book, Kyle. That's going to be a bestseller. <laughs> My wife wants me to do a dad blog. I pretty much do via Twitter. <laughs> That's a good point. And to follow Kyle on Twitter, just search at Kyle Tucker underscore SEC for right now. It's going to be changing soon. Yep. But if you follow that now, you'll be good. I'm on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Follow uh, Locked On UK on Twitter to get all the podcasts as soon as they come out. Also be subscribing, and then they'll just go straight to your phone like magic. And then, like the Facebook page, talked about it last week, we're going to be trying to do some live events on there. So if you don't want to miss out on those, go search Locked On Kentucky on Facebook and like that page. Obviously, share this with anybody else who would enjoy the podcast. And then subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes. That helps spread the word. Finally, if you're interested in advertising, shoot us an email, LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com. That's LockedOnKentucky at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.